It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on not really a snow day, an ice day, can we call it that? E-learning hit Champaign-Urbana, and it, it was rough out there. It was. So got some e-learning done today, took care of some loose ends for school, and then was able to get a bit of an earlier start for today's episode of the 200 level. Now, apologies, first of all, for the voice, if I sound a little bit more like Tom Waits this morning. Uh, woke up with a bit of cough, kind of whatever. It's Listen, when you teach, you pick up a lot of random things at school, so <laughs> feel fine otherwise, but trying to nurse the voice and a little bit more baritone, baritone than I was hoping for. It's been a really big five days for Illinois basketball. Here's your timeline. Thursday, a win at Michigan. In pretty impressive fashion, right? I mean... Yes, it was close for the first 30 minutes of game time, and then you went on that big run, ended up winning by 15, 88-73, I think was the final. That's Thursday night. Friday, about 4 o'clock, news comes through. TSJ, it's not a TRO for TSJ. I had misspoke on, on Saturday morning's podcast. It is a preliminary injunction, which is indefinite, and essentially, as we've kind of been able to parse through the language and interpret what the OSCR and other U of I things might be, Terrence is here to stay for the rest of this season. So that's Friday. When on Thursday, Terrence is eligible on Friday. You smoke Rutgers on Sunday. And yeah, it got close, but you did what really good teams do against bad teams. And this offense for this Illini team the defense we'll talk about. I, I have some concerns, but nothing that they can't address. Offensively, on a day where you shot terribly from three, you still put almost 90 points against a top 10 Ken Palm defense. I know Rutgers isn't good. Their defense can be, though. And you somehow, like when your shot from deep was not falling, got 90 almost points. And then today... Jeremiah Fears announces he is committing to the University of Illinois. His older brother went to Michigan State. Jeremiah coming here. Borderline top 40 recruit. Borderline five-star recruit. Really good shooting guard. He can run a little bit of point, but he's much more of a scorer than anything. That's been the five-day stretch for Brad Underwood's program. Now, I wanted to start in a bit of... I mean, we could have started anywhere. The Rutgers game, Terrence Shannon Jr., which we covered in depth on Saturday. We could have started with the Fears decision, and I know that the Illini Inquirer guys are going to be going in-depth on that rather soon. So just like on Saturday, we're going up against Sportsline. We're going up against Derek and Jeremy right now. Media Wars and Champaign-Urbana. No, I want to start with Brad Underwood because I was reflecting yesterday on this season and the job that Brad Underwood's done, and then even Macro, the job he's done for Illinois. I think it is safe to say that this is his best coaching job thus far with Illinois. And yeah, there's season left to be played, but when you consider the expectations coming in, which I think were fairly top 20-ish, top 25-ish, top four or five Big Ten, they'd make the tournament. Other than that, I don't think any of us were clamoring for much higher expectations because we didn't expect it. Right, We thought that this team had some proven commodities and some guys that you weren't sure how they translate to the Big Ten. So let's see what happens. This season, on the court, has been almost an unqualified success. 
And the disappointments you've had, sure, have been against better teams. I'd love another shot at Marquette. I think you'd have a different outcome. But losing at Tennessee, not a big deal. Losing at Purdue was a little bit messy, but you also didn't have Terrence Shannon Jr. Now that you have the full complement of players back, it appears to me like this team is certifiably top 10 going forward. And the AP rankings had them back in the top 10 today. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, when you struck out on Ray J. Dennis, it felt like there was a major cap on what this team could accomplish this year. I don't feel quite the same way having seen what I see on the court. There are qualities to this team that a playmaking point guard like a Ray J. Dennis, sure, he would add something, but they found their own very unique brand of very efficient offensive basketball. And I don't know if they need any more pieces. They just got a big one back yesterday. And in the course of a half-court offense, I didn't feel as if Brett Underwood switched too many things up. The word integration, I know, was used by him on Saturday. We're going to integrate Terrence back. Well, based on minutes played, it was a little bit more than integration. But if you look at what Brad Underwood was having that offense do, it wasn't altogether different. It leads me to think that in terms of his best coaching job, he was able to, with this team, figure out what are their strengths offensively, which we did not see this in November. Remember, if anything, we were concerned about the offense and not the defense in November. And then right about when the calendar turned to December, Underwood and his staff figured something out. I don't know if there was an offensive guru on staff. I've heard that Tyler Underwood is a hell of an offensive coach. And maybe that's true. I remember being a little leery when he got hired, but it's not like he's taking up one of the three assistant spots. I think on the court, it's been Underwood's best job. But what really impressed me yesterday, in addition to just coaching another game where the team just took care of business in rather emphatic fashion, was afterwards. It's been the the off-the-court Underwood that parts of that got frustrating last year when you were losing games and the chemistry just didn't feel all that great in and around the team. He is now in a really precarious position as a head basketball coach, playing a guy that is charged with rape in an ongoing legal case and having to go to the press conferences and talk about basketball. The moment yesterday that I was most impressed by was when he was asked fairly by Jeremy about the physical and emotional acclimation for Terrence back in the game action. And Brad Underwood happily talked about the physical part of it. He talked about how it it sometimes takes the adrenaline to kick in before you really get back into game speed. But he refused consciously to get into the emotional state of Terrence. Why did that stick out to me? Brad Underwood probably has personal opinions on what is going on with this case. I can almost guarantee it. And that's understandable. He knows Terrence better than you or I. If I were to guess, he probably thinks Terrence is innocent and has the full support behind him. Speculative, but I think a fair guess. But publicly, it is important to put a face forward that you're still serious about this. Don't run into the same issues that Alabama did last year, where I don't know if the coach was necessarily walking around saying, ha-ha, I'm playing the guy that might have been involved in a murder. I don't think he was doing that. Nate Oates down there. I don't think he was. But certainly the tone and tenor with which he talked was not sitting right. Brad Underwood yesterday, 
in pregame and postgame, and especially in regards to that question about Terrence and the emotion, refused to take the bait. He refused to turn anything into some sort of victim narrative. As an alum, as a fan, and I was there yesterday, we'll talk about that atmosphere. I appreciated his awareness of that. And it gives me a little bit of hope going forward that while juggling the tricky situation that you have off to the side with Terrence and his legal situation, that Underwood is going to be able to manage that from a PR perspective. And you could say, well, it's just PR. What does it really matter? You know, listen, perception does matter when you're a head basketball coach making four plus million dollars. That's part of the gig. And I think this year he's shown a lot more maturity. And if you want to use this word grace almost in the way that he is putting his face forward. When you mix that with what is quite honestly amazing amounts of on-court success, we're basically in a golden age of Illinois basketball. I lived through one, 98 to 06. Incredible run. 80s up through 89-90, incredible run. Let's say 82 to 90. We're in one. I don't know what that's going to equate to in terms of tournament success. But I do know that we are relevant in a way that we've not been in a long time. And whether it be the win yesterday, getting a Jeremiah Fears, just the overall handle with which he seems to have on the program after what happened last year, I feel pretty confident going forward with Brad Underwood as our guy. You can justifiably say, Carp, you were on his ass last year. Yeah, I was. I definitely was. I was going with what I saw. There were a lot of frustrations on and off the court, but it's not just rebounding from that. I mean, my, my goal this year was have fun. Right? Enjoy the team. Don't get too pissed off and don't get too in the woods or too, uh, don't muck it up too much as far as you know all the sort of sideshow stuff that we had to see last year. We don't have that, and this team is top 10 caliber. That I did not expect, and that is a credit to Brad Underwood. All right, we got some chat feed stuff here, so thank you all for tuning in on this Monday afternoon. Again, apologies for this voice. I got some hot water down here. There we go. Got to hit the sponsors real quick. DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, though. Hey, save them the hassle on this icy day. Go pick it up if you need to, and tip them well regardless. And you know you're going to get a piping hot calzone with any custom toppings you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone online at dpdo.com. Also, Owen Builders LLC online at owenbuildersllc.com. For home additions, patios, decks, and more, check out a gallery of their work online at owenbuildersllc.com. And best of all, not only are they great at what they do, but the communication that they have as your contractor, second to none. And I know that can be a frustration for people sometimes. Owen Builders LLC. Com. Also, got to thank Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, there are HVAC people. Our furnace is just top-notch. It has been all winter long thanks to them. We've been working with them for a couple years now, and they are people you can trust. So as we get out of this cold season, hopefully soon-ish, who should you call for your HVAC checkup? Air conditioner checkup coming up not too far Check out Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing at 217-841-4728. Finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy 
as well. One thing that's really cool from State Farm that we have in our old house, which is about 100 years old, Ting, T-I-N-G. Through State Farm, this is a free addition. Gives you some peace of mind because it monitors your home electrical system. Checks to see if there's any abnormalities or something that needs to be checked. And hey, home fires are one really big cause of loss of property. So that's one extra peace of mind that you get from State Farm. And Brian Hansen can hook you up that information. That is brianismyguy.com. Hey, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them and appreciate you for listening and watching. We had... More views for the Terrence Shannon Jr. returns video on Saturday Saturday than I think we've had for any YouTube video so far. So thank you for all the tuned in on Saturday morning. And um, it was a good conversation to have for what was a very loaded topic. And it was a charged atmosphere yesterday. It got a little bit, let me say it settled in. And then it got a little bit tense in a different way in the second half when it was a four point, five point game. But there was a nervous energy in the State Farm Center before the game started. I wanted to be there because I wanted to see what was a what was going to be a very unique game day experience. And of course, root for the team. But, but it was also the history part of this, the fact that you knew that you were seeing something big. And I don't mean historical in any grandiose way. I just mean in terms of Illinois basketball, there were not going to be many environments like this. Now, I mentioned on Saturday that going forward, talking about Terrence Shannon Jr., you know, I'm not going to address all that much anymore either the moral dilemma of it, which we've spoken about. I mean, my big takeaway is fan how you want to fan. And we will talk here briefly about the reaction he got coming in. And I'm also not going to talk about whether he should or should not be able to play because legally that was somewhat decided at a federal court. And also, as I said Saturday, and uh, I'll reiterate just for clarification, knowing what I know from the case in terms of the affidavit, and also reading that this was kind of part of the judge's decision on Friday, at the moment, if you were to say, are you okay with the presumption of innocence until proven guilty, given the serious nature of these crimes? Am I personally okay with it knowing what I know? Yes, I am knowing what I know, knowing full well that there are probably still things that we don't know or things that could come out in discovery when he's at his next court appearance. All that is to say, going forward, we're going to talk about the games. We're going to talk about Terrence Shannon, who was, guess what? He was terrific. I mean, he's really, really good at basketball, and that's not a surprise. And just from strictly watching basketball perspective, it was thrilling to see him do some of the things he did. He is a special talent. That is undeniable. But the nervous energy in that stadium, I started to look for the details about how are we going to kind of integrate him back in, not just on the court, but in terms of the Illinois basketball program. The video beforehand, before the starting lineup, still did not have Terrence in it. Not shocking. I thought they could have just reverted to an old one. But what they do is they update with clips, including clips from the Michigan game. There was a Luke Goody three from Michigan, for example. So they're updating it. I would imagine they'll gradually get Terrence back in there. I thought it'd be after the first media timeout when he would come out, but no, two minutes into the game. Didn't take long to integrate him. He comes to the scorer's table. There's a roar in the crowd. I think people were a little bit caught off guard that it was that early. And I stood up with my phone to take video of it because I wanted to capture what the reaction was like. 
understandably, there was some negative reaction nationally to what was a standing ovation by some. Not all. And I will say that in the stadium, what percentage of people stood up? Half. I would say most clapped. There were no boos or cat calls or anything like that. And Rob Douster, who's on Field of 68 with Jeff Goodman, you know, he tweeted something that said, probably not a good look to give a standing ovation to this guy. And I'm not going to get angry at that because that's, one, maybe valid. And two, this is what's going to come with the territory. We are in a precarious position. And there is going to be heat coming back at the university in the basketball program. I will say that overall, based on perusing college basketball subreddits or perusing the national voices, there really isn't a deluge of negative attention towards Illinois basketball. And it's not that that's my top priority, because even if there were a deluge, you'd have to live with it, and that would be expected. I'm not seeing that. And I, I've asked myself, why is that? You know, Why is it that the national media doesn't seem to be as against Underwood playing Terrence Shannon as Nate Oates did with Brandon Miller last year? I mean, there's probably a variety of reasons. But in the stadium, I will say, he comes back out for the first time in six games in three weeks. And within the first few plays, he has two assists, an alley-oop and another great feed. And I remember thinking to myself, I mean, I cheered. I stood up. I was pumped because that's great basketball. He's an electrifying basketball player. We hit the first media timeout, and I'm kind of sitting there and asking myself, okay, well, he's back. Now it's time to just settle down and watch basketball. Hey, this is a balancing act. I'm excited as hell that he's back from a basketball perspective, because this team is really scary good with him. I did try to check myself and not get over, you know, rah, you know. But as the game unfolded, it was like, yeah, nice move, Terrence. Or, hey, Terrence, be more aggressive. I was talking out loud the same way that I do with other players, and that's probably just going to be the case going forward. I think this is kind of a long-winded way of saying we don't have a decision whether or not he plays. I guess we have a decision whether or not we root for him the same way we root for the entire team. And maybe you can compartmentalize it and root for the team in general, but not feel all that great about that situation. However you do it, it's not going to be super clean and and make you feel 100% okay, perhaps. But in that stadium on that day, I thought, one, I don't think the reaction was overboard. Having been there. The roof did not necessarily come off the place when he came in. I don't think it did from my vantage point. When the roof did come off was when he dunked it. It did. From a basketball perspective, his run in the second half seemed to be an, oh, he's acclimated. Like it took 30, as Trevor had texted the chat thread with me and him and Isaac, Okay, so it took him 30 minutes to be acclimated to college basketball again. 30 minutes of game time, and he's back. The Terrence that you saw in the second half was the Terrence that we saw all year through the Missouri game. It was. That is a scary proposition for opposing teams because Illinois was still doing what they wanted to offensively. It was the defense that made that game a little bit iffy. And once they figured that end out, which I think they did quite well, 
Terrence was a big reason why getting a steal, being disruptive, two straight transition baskets, four-point lead turns into an eight-point or nine-point lead, I forget. Might have been five to nine. Rutgers calls a timeout, and from there, the State Farm Center is rocking. It's back. Because people were puckering up like they were the Maryland game, thinking, what is it with these early weekend games? Why don't we ever get up for them? And then the rest of the rest of the afternoon, we cruised. So, listen, Terrence is back. He's really good. I like watching him play basketball. There is a major thing going on off the court that he is going to have to deal with. And an accuser is dealing with at the moment as well. Yeah, I can't give you a really good answer or clean answer as for how you do it, but it is truly up to you how you wish to do it. All right, I want to have the uh, chat thread here in the YouTube feed and see what y'all were saying. Justin, what's up, Car Pack of a game on Sunday? It, it was, and then for the first 10 minutes of the second half, it wasn't so much, and then it was again. All in all, that's 30 minutes of really good basketball from Illinois. All right, this is from Bobo. Illini shot 22% from three, 59% from the foul line. Still put up 86 points against the 86, right? Or is it 88? Regardless. 86, I think you're right, against the ninth-ranked Ken Palm Rockers defense. Bobo, I think it was Tyler Cottingham. I think he works for the Boardroom podcast that had tweeted that out. And when I saw that stat, I thought that's pretty insane. Rutgers does defend the ball well. And not much resistance against Illinois. This is David. I remember being excited for last year's team, the switching defense, and it didn't work out because of, in my opinion, the personality of the players. Brad went out and got the right guys, and it's awesome. David, the ability from Brad to identify guys that would seamlessly integrate and also, personality-wise, would not cause the same issues. That's pretty impressive. This was how his offseason started. And, of course, it looks even better now. If I recall... I feel like Justin Harmon was the first. In chat window, let me know if I'm accurate on this. I feel like Justin Harmon was first, and I thought, well, that's an interesting pickup. I like it. A guy that can probably score even at this level, if not as consistently as he did at Utah Valley State or whichever place he played. And then I think Damask was next, followed by Quincy. That, I think, was the timeline. Now we're in April, approaching May. And then Terrence and Coleman both announced they're coming back. On that day, there was the disappointment of not getting Ray J. Dennis. But I thought, okay, good supporting players. You get your two studs back. That's a tournament team. That's, that's a good team, objectively. And even in a frustrating game like Marquette, early in the season, I, I remember saying here, like, they're good. I, I don't think they'll be great, but they're good. And as Illini fans, I said before the season, we're going to have to decide what level of success we're okay with from Brad Underwood. Because last season left such a sour taste, at least in my mouth. And I didn't know what it would take for this year's team to wash that taste out, right? But David, the ability to identify guys that talent-wise don't just fit, but personality-wise seem to be the complete antithesis of what you had last year. That, to me, is, is immensely impressive. One sec here, guys. I apologize for getting water. Hopefully it sounds okay on your end. And my voice isn't too taxing. From Brian, is there no chance that Terrence is suspended by a different group at the University of, at the end of February? I thought Derek and Jeremy mentioned that on Saturday. 
Uh, this is from Jacob to clarify that. The OSCR on average takes 40 business days, so we'll see. But I think and hope the case gets dropped before then. Yeah, and and to that, Jacob, and maybe you could clarify this as well. I I don't know. um, 40 business days, if there's also an appeals process, there's the ability, I think, to call witnesses or present evidence that could prolong that. Also, Terrence has really good lawyers, as evidenced by winning that decision from Judge Lawless. I would imagine that they are already prepared for any OSCR hearings. Now, also from Jacob, and listen, you know, I mentioned we aren't going to talk too much about Terrence, but that might be naive. I mean, there is the ongoing case. Jacob uh, heard this as well, that he had subpoenaed for the DNA test. Not sure you would do that if it was positive, but who knows? But if that comes back not his, not sure they have much of a case. At the moment, Jacob, the lack of physical evidence and lack of video surveillance that has the two of them together at least according to the defense, seems to be in his favor. A DNA test would, if it were negative as far as his DNA, I think would be huge as well. I would imagine that the OSCR, which I understand would be a concern in terms of the timeline, and also the fact that there might be court appearances that get scheduled in Lawrence that conflict. I believe that the next one on October, or sorry, October, February 23rd is a day removed before or after an Illini basketball game. So how you handle that, I don't know. All right, so let's see what else we got here. <laughs> From Jared. Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander didn't really have great things to say about the situation. Am I wrong in saying that most schools will react this way for their star player? Um, No. Jared, this is how every fan base would react. I... Fan bases are going to root for their players, barring something egregious. And you would say, well, duh, rape is egregious. And I would say, yeah, duh, it is. But he's not convicted yet. He's been charged. He's not convicted. In our world, we have seen news article after news article of information kind of trickle in. And for what we know, and <laughs> admitting there's already the built-in bias of being fans of this program. But then reading these this stuff that comes out, it is still leaving questions. And what does that lead to? It leads to fans saying, you know what? I don't know if he's guilty, so I'm going to root for him. Yeah, we're going to get criticized for that. I mean, if all we have to do as a fan base is have thick enough skins to get criticized for rooting for Terrence, and meanwhile, Terrence, and then the accuser, more importantly, are going through a far tougher situation themselves, I think we can handle that. I'm not going to criticize Matt Norlander, who's a huge Dave Matthews fan, by the way. Huge Dave Matthews fan fan. Or Gary Parrish for saying what they say. Field of 68, uh, Rob Dowster, again, he was critical of the standing ovation. But again, I, I felt like it was maybe half. That might be half too many. I get it. I stood up to get the video of it just to capture what I thought was going to be a moment. When he left the court, I applauded for my seat. I didn't do a standing ovation. Again, I, what do you expect from fans? I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to demonize Illini fans for this. Now, were there Illinois fans that were criticizing Iowa during the Pierre Pierce thing? Yeah. Was it okay for them to do that? Yeah. Is it going to be okay for Northwestern fans or any other fans to hurl insults at Terrence? Well, whether you say it's okay or not, it's going to happen, and I get it. I get it. 
that's just that's just what we're dealing with here. So I don't know. I, I hate to be so flip as to say what can you do, but essentially that's it. Um from Kerpnos, I personally had to delete my Twitter app. Difficult having to see other fan bases call Terrence a blank R word. I understand that's gonna happen. It just sucks. The whole situation sucks. I mean, even him back, it's the cloud around it that sucks because you and he probably are not going to be able to enjoy or relish it as if there weren't a charge over his head. Now, I want to be careful in saying that because that could obviously sound really bad. Like, Carp, if there's a charge, there might there's probably a good reason for it. As I've said before, I, I imagine something happened in some way, shape, or form. And that I admit and acknowledge that these things get messy. But what's come out so far in terms of going all the way to that R word, have not seen that yet. And that could change on February 23rd with evidence that's presented. Whether that gets the public before any actual trial, I'm not sure. And there is the possibility at the end of this that egg on our face is a university basketball program and then Terrence himself, that he's found guilty by a jury. Yeah, that can happen. Um, but at the moment, no, uh, Jared, I, I don't think that... I don't think it's unreasonable what Illinois fans are doing. It would happen anywhere. And it has. This is a apples and oranges comparison. I remember thinking after the Jerry Sandusky thing, how, if you were a Penn State fan, could you go to the stadium the next year and root for them? They did. It turned into this rallying cry. My whole thing that I ended Saturday's podcast with is let's just not turn this into a rallying cry for us. He's back from a basketball perspective. I'm glad about that. But I'm not going to do this thing where, all right, they're out to get Illinois. They're out to get Terrence. Let's show them what we're about. That's that's not a narrative that I want to go with or want Illinois in any way, shape, or form to go with. From the press clippings yesterday, it doesn't appear the players or Underwood went that direction. And for that, I'm thankful. Uh, one sec, let me get some more water here. Gosh, I'm really sorry for this voice. I hope it doesn't sound as bad to you as it does coming out. All right, a couple things from yesterday. The defense, if we're going to talk about concerns, is a concern. I think it could be matchup dependent, but Coleman, for as disruptive as he is, and as good as he is defensively, these athletic fives have caused him some issues. Reese for Maryland. Omiuri yesterday. Terrace Harris? No, it was Harris for Michigan, right? Name escaping me, but three guys in a row that have averaged about 18 and 18 and 10 at the center position. Now, we understand that Terrence is not a banger. Sorry, that Coleman is not a banger. But that is something to look out for. And fortunately against Rutgers, they didn't have a Jameer Young as a counterpoint to what Cliff Omiuri was doing. They had you know some scrappy guards on Rutgers, but they had no one near the playmaker that Jameer Young was. That can be a problem going forward if you have a five that can score at a high level and then a point guard that can play off of that and put Coleman in some bad spots. Then on the other hand, there were some matchups that I like. Coleman, I think, is going to do A-OK against Wisconsin. He has in his last three years. A Stephen Crowell does not scare me against Coleman. By the way, Quincy on Wall, Coleman on Crowell, the rest of this team against Wisconsin, I know that's going to be a tough game. We win that game. 
I'm bullish on that. Bad matchup for Wisconsin. That's an aside. Michigan State, another matchup that's favorable for Illinois. And Maddie Sissoko was a banger without much offensive skill. That's not going to do a whole lot of damage against Coleman. And it's going to allow Coleman to not have to pay as much mind to Maddie Sissoko and kind of just roam, be a disruptor in the middle of the court. Coleman's fine. This is not a Coleman issue. It's the fact that his body type is not always going to be great against big fives. And it just so happened that Reese, Harris, and Omar Yuri are tough matchups for him. From Jacob, why don't we double down more down low? Double down. Sorry, I added too many words there. Why don't we double more down low, says Jacob. We actually forced a couple turnovers when we did that. We We adjusted. And Jacob, that was very encouraging. Quincy doubled up twice, I believe. One of those was a turnover. It was good to know that we got in our back pocket, and hopefully next time they don't wait as long. I do acknowledge that Rutgers doesn't have a lot of offensive firepower. A guy like Omiuri is one of their few options to really score points for them. He had his first three all year. Go figure. Just like Jordan Geronimo hit his first two in like a month. Always fun when it happens to your team. But I do think that there was also a let him get his. Don't double so that way he can't kick it out and one of their guys gets a three. Even with Omiuri getting his, we knew their offense was limited. And it worked out fine. But in future matchups, Jacob, I agree. Adjust earlier. Don't let a five get so much in rhythm that he's 18 points in before you finally make that change. All right, this is from David. If we had TSJ to throw Jameer Young, that Maryland game would have looked different. I do think we should have thrown some more post traps at Reese. Agreed on both counts. When talking about the two losses, David, for this Illinois team in the Big Ten, I think that the Maryland game is the one you would have won. I don't know if Terrence makes a big enough difference against Purdue. I know that you came back. I know you got within a possession. But if Terrence is in there, Purdue's playing differently as well. That's a load of a team to play at an arena that's almost impossible to win at. The Maryland game is different, I think. Think of the spark yesterday when you're up four or five. Terrence gets at least one turnover that he forced and another he was disruptive. Two straight transition buckets. Place erupts. That was the moment you needed against Maryland. But instead, the entire second half, you're doing booty ball. It's a slow, kind of sluggish game. It was that much more difficult to prolong any run. The Maryland game would have been different. I think you win at Maryland. I wouldn't be surprised if you win at Maryland handily, which you might say, Carp, careful. Why would you be so foolish as to think you actually look good against Maryland? I think that team will want their second chance against Maryland. And they'll get on the road and and hopefully be angry for all these freaking losses against them. But I, I think with Terrence, that matchup changes drastically. This is from David. Coleman just doesn't have the base to keep those bigger guys off the block. Love him. That's just not one of his strengths. That's exactly it, David. And it's not necessarily anything against Coleman. It's just sometimes there's matchups that are favorable. Sometimes there's not. Northwestern, favorable. Nicholson for them. He's no Omer Yuri, okay? Um, he's kind of a big, bullish guy, but the athleticism isn't there. Coleman will flourish in something like that. Against Indiana, that'll be interesting. Indiana has some good bigs. They don't have much else. And Ken Palm would tell you Indiana's just outright bad. And I agree with a lot of that. I think Indiana's going to be just as good of a matchup for you as Rutgers. But there'll be some other ones down the road. Listen, Purdue's going to be tough. 
obviously, but going down the list of Big Ten schools, I'm not worried about Coleman against the fives for Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State. I don't know about Minnesota. I don't know much about Minnesota. Nebraska. Yeah, I, I think it, it will help you more often. And then the question will be when you get in the tournament, which is what this whole season's about. When you get in the tournament, what matchup are you facing and what kind of five are you facing? Because that sort of dictates what Coleman can do elsewhere on defense. And I kind of want just like a big bruising five that doesn't have the athleticism. And I know like I'm picking and I'm cherry picking there. You know, give me the slow, bullish, six foot ten white guy like a Nicholson for Northwestern. Just don't give me the athletic freak. That's also big, like an Omiuri. And that guy is an athletic freak. This is from David as well. 11 steals in two games from your five is nuts. It looked like something has clicked in Coleman's brain these last couple of games where he's realized he can just slap the ball away from guys. He's pretty accurate with it too, David. You think about how dangerous that is just in terms of drawing fouls. It, what, that game that you play back in school where you put your hands on top of someone else's and they got the hands under yours and they got to flip them up and slap the back of your hand, I imagine Coleman would be the world champion at that. The hand-eye coordination of that guy is incredible. I do think that this defense, with Terrence added to the mix, now you have two stoppers. True stoppers. Quincy is a rock-solid defender. Damask is pretty good. Mm. Ty, I think Ty's been struggling defensively. I'm watching him off the ball and seeing him try to get around picks and seeing a step slow through some of them. I'm pretty sure that yesterday he got taken out in the second half after he didn't box out, after Rutgers missed a shot and the shooter got the board and Underwood went right up to him and he was pissed. I love Ty. He had a few good takes yesterday. He's starting to figure out what his thing is and he's pretty good at that thing. I He is someone you want on your team, but we saw the minutes went down. I think he'll probably be more of a 20 minute a game guy and that's okay. He's going to be really good in those 20 minutes, I think. So uh, overall, though, with Terrence and Coleman on your defense, it changes everything. You already knew that with Coleman, but adding Terrence back to that is is really a game changer. That's all I really got for the game yesterday. I mean, you know, Northwestern coming up on Wednesday will be an interesting challenge. I still think it's a good matchup for Illinois. I know Northwestern's much better there than they are on the road. I don't expect Illinois to win by 30. I don't expect Illinois to win by 20. But I do think that they can, you know, kind of maintain a lead throughout and pull away late. Just eventually there's there, there's too much firepower offensively for this Illinois team. Not to mention it will be a half and half environment. I think a pretty pumped up environment. I don't think that's so bad for this Illinois team. I, I also think that this Illinois team... Purdue notwithstanding, I kind of like watching them on the road. At Rutgers and at Michigan are two examples of that. You know, they, they play okay on the road. And the Tennessee game, they hung in there until Connect took over. That was earlier this season. I do think that overall, Brad Underwood's team seem to play pretty loose when they get away from State Farm Center. I feel like sometimes they're tight at the State Farm Center. So, this, to me, works works out okay as far as scheduling. And I like that you were able to get Terrence kind of back into it at home in a game against a not-so-good Rutgers team. 
This is from Jacob. I'll be at the Northwestern game. Nine rows from the Illinois bench and next to the Northwestern student section. I'll let you know what I hear from the crowd. They'll be ruthless. Hey, that's that's what happens. Now, Northwestern famously you know, said some, let's be honest, racially tinged statements to Illinois in the past about, I believe the story goes like, you'll work for us someday. Listen, this isn't the journalist, most journalismo thing of me to say, but they're just a bunch of nerds, okay? You see it. I see it. Let's call it what it is. Nothing wrong with being a nerd, but they're just a bunch of nerds. It's what it is. The nerds are going to be in, they're going to be ready to go. I don't know if that really annoying screaming girl is still there. I don't think she is. She'd be like 28 by now. But for those that are, it'll get ruthless. Hey, that's okay. They had their own issue earlier this year, and while it was not rape, the uh, lack of control over their football program, and what was a series of sexual abuses, quite honestly, um, they'll say what they want to say. I don't think Northwestern has too much of a leg to stand on when it comes to indiscretions, let alone indiscretions in that case, which were promoted by the coaching staff. Every, every team we play on the road will be saying this, that, or the other. They've got skeletons in their closet. If you're asking me, Carp, is this you trying to rationalize or find some moral peace with it? I guess you could say that. But when I'm at Breslin Center, what am I going to do? Start a Larry Nasser chant? I'm going to be wearing my Illinois gear, and I'll be hearing it too. Fine. It's sports. You know, honestly, I, I don't mind sports getting ugly sometimes. I think that you could say, well, it's not right. And I would agree that maybe certain things are not right to say. But... I also remember the Eric Gordon game, and that was one of the coolest environments I've ever been in. It was ugly. It was nasty. But it's okay if every now and then it gets like that. Let's not be too Pollyanna about it. These are big boys. They'll deal with it, and they'll be okay. Let's see here. Oh, David said someone was screaming during Terrence's free throws. What were they screaming? I didn't pick up on that, David. I was wondering the same thing. Before I get out of here, a couple things here from Bobo about Jeremiah Fears. So, uh, and this is, I don't want to brush over it because it's a big recruit, but I, I do think things have changed in that Underwood will probably get two to three prep recruits a year and then two to three transfers and try to have these parallel tracks in building a program. From Bobo, ESPN has Fears number 16 nationwide, and a five-star. He is the highest-ranked recruit for Illinois since Jeremy Richmond in 2010, who was ranked 23rd. And, yeah, from a four- to a five-star, according to ESPN. Top 40, according to 24-7. Not sure about rivals. But he's really good. Probably better than his brother. Surprised that after what happened with his brother, which, from what I understand, it was we went with Sky Clark, that recruitment fizzled, and then we picked this kid up. He's out in Arizona right now playing high school basketball. Illinois kid out in Arizona. So the fact that we're bringing him back after what happened with his brother, whether that was acrimonious or not, impressive job recruiting from Illinois. We got a good sell. We do. Again, I started this podcast talking about Underwood and the job that he's done, and I'll end with it. I mean, things are coming up roses for Illinois. And, yeah, a judge's decision certainly helped the on-court case on Friday but 
yeah, that's Underwood didn't make the judge's decision on Friday, but everything else he's had a hand in. And I think the way in which they performed the three years that Terrence was the three weeks that Terrence was gone, excuse me, indicates that he had a really good handle on this team anyway. I would like to think that seven years into this Underwood program, that things have stabilized in a way that he can really maximize all of his strengths, which recruiting is one of them. Oddly enough, when we we hired Brad Underwood, the question was recruiting. We knew that he was like an offensive guru. At least the numbers bore that out at Stephen F. Austin in Oklahoma State. We knew he was a great X's and O's coach. I, I think we just all wondered about recruiting. And then he gets Iowa and Kofi. And I had a thought today as well to close this out. I had a thought today as well that Jeremy and I used to do this Mondays with Mike thing during COVID because I was at home from school and we, I was all, always have a break between classes. And after Illinois lost to Loyola, trying to figure out, well, what's Io's legacy? Jeremy brought up, well, maybe like Eddie Johnson, the first in a long line of talented guys. And I said, I like that because it can't be one of the 89 guys that made a deep run in the tournament and it can't be D or Darren that made a Final Four. But Eddie Johnson was a name that helped change the perception and relevancy of Illinois basketball. And you had many successful years after that. This is the third season without Io. And in those three years, you've already won a Big Ten championship. And this team, their success, that, that's yet to be written. I think it can be something special. I thought it was maybe back in 2021, and they lost to Loyola. But you're in a position now where you really have kind of settled as a program. you got a lot of these things established. And that, I would imagine, makes all the other parts of the job that much easier for Brad Underwood. And he's kind of maximizing what he has here. So all in all, super impressive. David says Fears is 27th on Rivals. And Jacob, it's not going to happen, but from Jacob, Underwood should be Big Ten Coach of the Year over guard. Now, see, we give it to guard. I say we. I wouldn't. It's annoying as all hell. Because of his not-so-good recruiting, the expectations coming in are lower. And then he lucks his way to a 16-4 and Big Ten record. Oh, God, don't, I can't start. Listen, Big Ten championship consideration for me does not start unless we win these two games this week. That If we're thinking macro, beat Northwestern, beat Indiana. Then you're 7-2 and two in the conference. Then we talk. Then we talk. You already are in a good position in terms of road wins. The Maryland home game hurts you and probably puts you in a position where you got to win out the last week at Wisconsin, home against Purdue. But win these two games, and then I'd be willing to have that conversation. Uh, one more here from David. In Fear's live stream, Biancardi, am I saying that name right? Anyways, the reporter asked him if he was going to try to recruit anyone to join him, and he said, A.J. DeBansa, number one in 2025. Not going to happen, but imagine that. That, that'd be pretty sick. But uh, hey, Illinois is a cool place to be all of a sudden. It, it's, it's a really awesome period that we're in, and I, I'm enjoying it. And I'm sure you are too. And Wednesday night we'll be back here for a second half podcast, me and Isaac, for a game where we hopefully beat those nerds up north. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to every game with this team. This is a really easy team to root for, as you know. They're very likable. 
And there was an intangible kind of chemical thing going on amongst them that should make us all pretty optimistic going forward. So I need to get out of here before my voice just falls out of its out of the larynx. I apologize that it was not the best today, but thanks for sticking around anyways. YouTube feed, I appreciate you. Got to thank DP Doe. I'm on a dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. Also need to thank State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy and he can be your guy as well. brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728 for all your HVAC needs. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com. Check out a gallery of their work online. Excellent stuff from Luke Owen and his staff. Hey, good to see you, David. Always appreciate it, bud. Hope you're doing well as well. And thank you for the rest of you tuning in. Bobo, good to see you again. Always love you piping in. And Jacob and Jalen Gallows and uh, David and Jared and Anyone I didn't mention, but yeah, kind of a spur-of-the-moment podcast on this ICE learning day. See you Wednesday night. Let's beat Northwestern, get to 6-2 and two in the Big Ten. We got a top-10 basketball team, everybody. They're pretty damn good. It is the 200 level.